0: In November 2020, as our church uh, really leaned into the uh, what what is going to be the final deal for the sale of our property, which members keep your emails open over the next week. I know I keep saying that, but keep them open. <laughs> we started looking at um, at our mission, at our values, and we've had conversations about our values at different membership meetings. Over uh, over a couple of years to ask, you know, what what are the things that that we think are important for a church? What are what are these marks of what it means to be a church, particularly in the post-Christian, post-modern, and post-post-modern context that we find ourselves? So, at the beginning, well, in November, we talked about a, a vision. Uh, and 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 marks of the church being faith hope and love and then in the uh the late winter so january february we started talking about uh what the mission of really every church is and the great commission that jesus gives us particularly in matthew 28 where he says go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father son and holy spirit and teaching them to obey everything that i have commanded That is something that every single church in the entire world is given by Jesus. That is our mission, to go make disciples, baptize, and teach to obey. Well, today, uh, I want to remind us of these things. The things that we've talked about, sometimes even going back two or three years. And then recalibrate our thinking a little bit and introduce values that the deacons of I and I have discerned over the past uh, number of months. Uh, and these are values that will shape our ministry, that they will shape our communal life together, and that can be built on so that we can not just say, here is what our church's ministry is all about, but here is what we think being a Christian is all about in our day-to-day life. This is how we live Faithfully, we live into these new values. So, we can have sort of self checks to see how we're doing living each value. We can have resource pages for each value to help us grow in them. Um, So, I'm really excited to share with you today uh, get your Bibles ready if you have them, because we're going to be jumping around quite a bit. Or, you can grab a piece of paper and a pen and write out the scriptures that we're looking at so that you can return to them later. That might actually be the easier option, to be quite uh, to be quite honest. So, have a little bit of drink of water. If you have coffee, you can drink your coffee, take a deep breath, and let's dive in. Back in January, we had a short series talking about our mission and where we were headed as a church community. And something, uh, you know, a mission statement is really... And a vision statement, I think. They sort of go hand in hand together in a number of different ways. But there's something that summarizes in a really simple way what a church is all about. And so we said at that time that Wentworth exists to invite people to know Christ, to grow in Christ, and to go with Christ, making him known. Wentworth exists to invite people to know Christ. That is, we want people to have a saving relationship with Jesus. This is, um, in the past, we've talked about relational directions, that all of our lives are, uh, are are sort of situated and can be understood in terms of relationships, And the primary relationship of our life, being a relationship with God, an upward direction. Well, this is all about that upward direction, having a saving relationship with Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. An exclusive exclusive claim of Jesus. So we don't just want people to know God in a general sense. We want people to know Jesus. Because it's through knowing Jesus that we know who God is. It is through Jesus that we can have right relationship with the Father. Maybe you've heard something like, this phrase, we are all God's children, talking about everyone in the earth. Everyone who's alive is God's child. This is a popular misconception, in fact, because scripture is really clear. We are adopted into God's family. We are all created by God, but that doesn't mean that we are all God's children. There's a familial relationship that scripture describes that doesn't necessarily belong to us that we have actually no right to apart from faith in Jesus. This is really clearly stated in John chapter 1 where John describing John the Baptist who came to preach about Jesus says this about Jesus the true light that gives life to everyone was coming into the world that's Jesus. He was in the world And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. The world tends not to recognize Jesus. The world tends not to see Jesus at work. The world tends not to think well of Jesus. And so when we think about, you know, what does it mean to live a a faithful biblical life? We can expect to run into conflict with the world because the world looks at Jesus and says, we don't really get you. We don't really understand. We don't get why you live this way, why these teachings that Jesus gives us, why we we would ever align ourselves with them because uh, the world's values are not the values of Jesus. The passage goes on. He came to that which was his own, But his own did not receive him. Yet all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decisions or a husband's will, but born of God. Did you catch that? Not everyone is a child of God. Everyone is created by God, but not everyone's a child of God. Those who received Jesus, who believed in his name, They were given the right to become children of God. They were adopted into God's family by faith. That is what we want for the entire world. For the entire world to be adopted into sonship and daughtership. To be adopted into God's family. To join God's family with us. But that only happens through saving faith in Christ and because of that, we want everyone to know Jesus. And once we know Jesus, it's not just enough to, to say that we know Him. We want that relationship to grow deeper and to get richer and more vibrant. And so we don't just want to know Christ; we want to grow in Christ. Second Peter three, verse eighteen says, "Grow." Uh, has this longing for for Peter? Peter describes this longing. For Christians to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and it's really clear that this is something that uh, that all of the all the New Testament is really encouraging us to do—to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because if we grow in grace and if we grow in knowledge, we can grow. We're, we're not just growing in those things; we're actually growing in our ability to live and act like Jesus to live as fully human beings in the the ways that God designed and intended for us to live and the best way we can do this is is in community best way we can learn how to grow in grace and the knowledge of Jesus is through community and so we have uh, we have passages like Hebrews that in Hebrews, there's this real push to not forsake meeting together, which is, which is really saying, don't give up on community. It tends to be, in fact, that the first step away from faith tends to be a step away from community. The first step away from faith in Jesus is actually a step away from his bride, the church. And so Hebrews talks about this uh, in a couple of ways, but it also scolds us because sometimes we can just get into the habit of saying, well, I know Jesus and that's enough. And so we're good Christians on Sunday and terrible Christians Monday through Saturday. Our faith doesn't affect how we live. And so Hebrews says this in in quite harsh terms in chapter 5, verses 12 through 14, we have much to say. About this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need somebody to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature. who by constant practice have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. And that's where we want to strive towards. We don't want to be children just eating milk. We want to be mature. We want to grow in our relationship with Jesus such that we can discern good from evil. We can know this is what the good life, this is what the life God has for me is, and this is what it's not. And then strive towards the good and stay away from the opposite. But it takes practice. It, takes, it says constant practice. Growing in our faith requires habits that we do over and over and over again to train us in righteousness. To train us in right relationship with God, which draws us into right relationship with other people that includes prayer, that includes Bible reading, that includes worshiping even, deciding to worship with other people in community. Worshiping, learning, serving together, these are habits that we have to decide to do if we want to grow in our faith. If we wanna be a community of Jesus followers who are growing in our faith, We actually have to be committed to putting our faith into practice. Into not just talking the talk, but walking the walk. I can have more to say about that at the end. So for now, let's go on to the next part. Know Christ, grow in Christ, and go with Christ on mission. We have a mission to make Jesus known, to, to show his name is holy to the world. It's it's we're we're not just about um, sitting by and and being a, a fun social club. That's not what the church is. The church is an embassy. The church is a place where we gather together uh, to 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 worship God, to learn about how to live faithful lives. But then we are sent out into the world to make Christ known in word and in deed. In word, through things like evangelism, through preaching, and in deed, through things like serving. Serving other people. In Matthew 28, as, we ta- as, I, as I mentioned at the beginning, Jesus commands his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that he commanded. That is, teaching them how to live in the ways that Jesus taught us how to live. And by doing that, we glorify the Father and we bear good fruit in our lives and we show ourselves to be Jesus' disciples. That's actually core to the entire message of the New Testament. Uh, and again and again, Jesus points back to it, especially in John 15, where Jesus taught John 15 through 17, where Jesus talks about um, church unity and the unity of believers and and staying connected to him uh, to be able to grow in our faith. That's where this is actually a quote from. We glorify God the Father, we bear much fruit and show ourselves to be Jesus' disciple. How? By listening to what he says and then putting it into practice. So if we say, I follow Jesus or I'm a Christian, but don't actually try to follow Jesus' teachings... If we ignore his commands, or if we say, you know, I know what Jesus says, but, well, it's not going to go well for us. If we try to reason out of being totally committed to the ways that that that, that Jesus teaches us how to live and says, this is... This is the life that I have for you. This is what human flourishing looks like. If we look at that and say, well, we think we know a better way, Jesus, because our culture's more progressed than the biblical culture. You know, we know more than they did. We're better. Jesus would say, I don't think you are. And I think the God of the universe knows more than we do. uh, And more than we will ever know. If we ignore Jesus, if we ignore his commands while still claiming his name, we are going to stand condemned on the judgment day. But aligning ourselves with Jesus' teaching, aligning ourselves with, with how he says this is how you are to live in the world, and then actually doing it, while well, doing that, we can, we can live on mission in really big and in really small ways. In, in every part of our days. Going with Christ, sometimes we can think of it in these really grandiose terms of sort of going to faraway places, when really all it is is about being faithful in the place that you are. Jesus doesn't call everyone to global missions, but Jesus does call us to faithful living every single moment of every single day. Of aligning our whole lives with his whole teaching and living uh, living faithfully and on mission wherever we find ourselves. So we know Christ and we grow, we want, we, we want to invite people to know Christ. We want to invite people to grow in Christ, and then we want to invite people people to go with Christ on mission. And I think there is tons that scripture can teach us about how we can do this all in our day-to-day life. But at a minimum, we can describe Scripture's vision for the good life, Scripture's vision for daily faithful living, a life following Jesus and living up to our full potential as image bearers. We can summarize it as a life uh, that is marked by faith, hope, and love. A life that is marked by faith, hope, and love. If you go through all of Paul's letters and just read through um, the first couple of paragraphs usually, 10 or 15 verses, you will often see at least one, sometimes two, and sometimes three of these words or phrases, concepts, coming up from the surface, of the, uh, from, from behind the text. And Paul seems to use faith, hope, and love as sort of a shorthand to spiritually check up on his churches that he's writing to. And so we see it repeatedly in his letters. In 1 Thessalonians, Thessalonians, verse 3, Paul says, We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord. And then he goes on to describe um, all these things. And he's sort of saying, we see how your work is being produced by faith, how your labor is prompted by love and your endurance is inspired by hope. And so I want to strengthen all of those things. In, the, in your church. There are other times where he maybe only mentions one or two of them As a, a in that first section as a sort of um, encouragement to the church and then moves on to the third and says, you're not doing so well with this one, so I'm going to help you with that. Or like Galatia, uh, the, 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 the letter to the Galatians, he has nothing good to say. He doesn't mention anything. He's just like, you have it all wrong. And he tackles each of these one by one, faith, hope, and love, to build up the church, to move it back towards the vision that God has for his churches. In Colossians, again we see faith, hope, and love pop up. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus, and the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven, and about which You have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. We see it again. Faith, hope, and love. These are the marks of the life that God has for us. And if we can increase our capacity to trust in Jesus, that's our faith. If we can increase our capacity to have a have a a confident certainty, that is hope in Jesus. Uh, and if we can increase our capacity to love like Jesus, then we're on a good footing to make a real impact in our world. But we have to, we have to be careful about our definition of love here, because love in our culture, you could define it about, a, about 10 million different ways. <laughs> we're not like other cultures uh, with language that can parse out the meaning of love that they use because they have multiple words for it and this is true of ancient Greek as well the and, and Hebrew there are multiple words for love so that you can sort of uh, get towards different types of meaning whereas in English we can just talk about love generally so we we can say I love my wife and then also say I really love this book that I'm reading and also say I really love chicken wings but are they really the same love? I hope not. <laughs> I really hope not. <laughs> uh, we don't have the, the, the capacity in our language to be able to make these distinguishing... Uh, distinguish, we, to distinguish between different types of love. <coughs> and, excuse me, love in our time, as a, as a word, as a concept is even trickier to define because we've twisted what it means a little bit according to a a biblical principle i think which is do unto others as you would have them do unto you what's often called the golden rule but we look at that rule and say well what do i want people to do to me i want others to let me live how i want to live and therefore i'm going to let them how i'm going to let them live how they want to live and we'll just live and let live and that will be all groovy because Jesus doesn't say, live and let live. Sometimes we even say, you know, we shouldn't judge each other because Jesus wouldn't judge. Uh, and we, we, it's actually what we're getting at is, I don't want to be judged, therefore I'm not going to judge other people. That's what we're getting at. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Um, but we, we tend to twist it and, 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 and think of it in sort of opposite terms of like, do would I want people to judge me? No, then I'm not going to judge other people. Well, Jesus actually says the opposite and talks about discernment. All of scripture talks about discernment again and again. But Jesus, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, says, you know what, you have a log in your eye and, and, and your brother or sister has a speck in their eye. So he says, take out the log from your eye so that you can go and take the speck out of your brother or sister's eye. It's, it's not that we're not to judge, it's that we are to discern. We're to judge ourselves harshly so that we can help other people deal with their sin graciously. We're not talking about, um, it's not prejudicial judgment in that sense, but it's actually a, 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 a judging that is meant for the betterment of the other person. It's discernment. We're told again and again in scripture actually to discern our lives, to discern the spirit and to help fellow Christians discern their lives and help them to discern the spirit as well. When it comes to love in our culture, we've made it all about our personal preferences. And that's actually getting a little bit to what this the, the word that's often used in, script, in, in the New Testament, anyways, um, agape, what it, what it really means. But in the New Testament, it's not about our preferences. Properly, agape is to prefer, but, but within scripture, it is to prefer God's preferences. It is to live according to God's preferences for us. So love is really all about helping other people align their lives with God's preferences for them in big ways, sometimes more oftentimes, though, in very small ways, day by day, and all those small ways build up over time. There's a, a Canadian songwriter that I, uh, that I really love, Craig Cardiff, who does uh, these songwriting workshops in all sorts of places, but he tells a story of one workshop where somebody gives him a note, and it says this line on it that I've, that's really stuck with me over the years. Fear is the cheapest room in the house, I would love to see you living in better conditions. And I think this is something that really jives with the message of scripture and and God's heart for us. Fear is the cheapest room in the house. I would love to see you living in better conditions. This is what God wants for us. He doesn't want us to live in fear. His His is not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love and peace. God sees the condition that we are in in our sin and says i long for you to live in better conditions and so he sent his son to change the conditions so that we can live better lives and this is really what love is all about it's about saying i want to help you live in better conditions and really there are no better conditions than the kingdom of god because the kingdom is the place, is the, is the state of being that we were designed to live in. We were never designed to be kings of our own hearts. We were never designed by God to, 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 to be our own gods. We were designed for worship. We were designed to worship him, to know him, and, and, and to glorify him in all that we do. And so living as citizens of God's kingdom is is actually this really spiritual uh, truth that has physical implications? Because how, because our citizenship in 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 heaven will translate into how we live in the day to day of our lives. The spiritual and the physical really go together. We can't separate them. And so love is, uh, you know. Uh, Moving backwards, actually. Faith is trust in Jesus. Hope is a confident certainty in Jesus. And love is really all about helping people to follow Jesus. And to commit their lives to living in the condition of God's kingdom. In the better condition of God's kingdom. So as a church, we exist to help to invite people and help people to know Christ, grow in Christ and grow (laughs) to know Christ, grow in Christ, pardon me, and to go with Christ (laughs) by living a particular way. And that way is having our lives marked by faith, hope, and love. Marked by faith, hope, and love. But then it brings up a question, what does that even mean? What does, it, what does it look like to have lives marked by faith, hope, and love? And this is where our new values come in. Like we've talked about earlier, if we want to be a community of people who are growing in Christ, who are growing in our faith, who are, who are becoming more and more like Jesus day by day, we have to be committed to putting our faith into practice. And grounding, by grounding ourselves in the things that we do, um, we can actually help gain a sort of measurement in how we're doing spiritually. Sometimes we have a lot of trouble talking about how we're doing spiritually. and but, but, but grounding how we're doing in particular practices will help us see how we're doing much more clearly, which will be a really great help. And it sets us up to be able to have grow. Uh, growth goals, really, to be able to say, this is how I want to grow in my relationship with Jesus over the coming days, months, years. And so we can look at different practices and say, I'm going to implement this practice, this value for a season um, and and learn about it and live into it. And then I'll add another value and another value and slowly but surely, step by step, moment by moment, we're able to grow deeper, deeper, in our faith so that we can go and help others grow deeper in their faith. And by doing that, actually, practices tend to give us a sense of movement and momentum and something tangible to grasp hold of for how we live on mission day to day. But these practices just don't help strengthen our mission. They just help us to live more faithfully. They live us to they help us to to live as faithful and obedient servants of the Living God so what are they what are these values uh, we've set the following value practices and these really describe how we see that we should be striving to live and how we see ourselves growing in the coming years and this is uh, Faith, hope, and love expressed in different ways. So we see ourselves valuing faith that is expressed through prayer, discipleship, and generosity. Prayer is really spending time in relationship with Jesus and is the primary work of God's people. It's the work that we start with and the work that we end with. It's the work that allows the other work to get done. And if we neglect it, the other work tends to fail. Prayer, spending time in relationship with God, is sort of at the heart of all ministry. And so we want it to be the heart of our ministry as well, in, 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 a, in a growing sense over the coming years. We want to see our faith expressed through prayer. We want to see faith expressed through discipleship. That is following Jesus and being obedient to scripture, which is the primary calling of God's people. And we want to see faith expressed through generosity, giving based on what God has given to us and having that as the primary attitude that we have towards, uh, towards everything. We don't want, we don't want to be people who hoard. We want to be people who give and give freely and generously, just as God has given freely and generously to us that's our first set of values. Faith expressed through prayer, discipleship, and generosity. And then hope expressed through worship, evangelism, encouragement, and perseverance. Hope expressed through worship, which is really all about responding to God for all he has done to us. It's celebrating our hope in Jesus. Evangelism is bringing God's hope to others by sharing our hope in Christ with them. Encouragement is bringing God's hope to others, starting by building them up with our words. Encouragement is so much more than how we speak to each other. But at minimum, it is, how we, it is all about how we speak to each other. Um, we can encourage each other by, uh, by the way we speak, by writing letters of encouragement, we can encourage one another by serving each other, by doing practical things, by making meals, by giving, uh, by, by, by giving gifts. There's a number of ways of encouragement, but throughout scripture, and particularly in Ephesians, if you, if you go through and read it this week, you'll notice just how much Paul talks about how we talk to each other. And it's because the condition of our hearts tends to be reflected in how we speak, to and about one another. So if we are never encouraging with our words, that will tend to be a sign of the condition of our hearts. We want to bring God's hope to others through encouragement. And then hope expressed expressed through perseverance. That is digging in and leaning on God when things get tough. We see our churches as a church that wants to grow in these things, in grow in worship, evangelism, encouragement, and perseverance. And we value love that is expressed through belonging, hospitality, service, and spiritual gifts. Belonging is welcoming and valuing every person as made in the image of God. Hospitality is extending God's Welcome by eating meals and fellowshipping together. Service as being God's hands and feet in the world. Serving others because we have been served by Christ. And spiritual gifts is serving others by utilizing gifts that God gives us for the furtherment of his kingdom. These values, faith expressed through prayer, discipleship, and generosity, hope expressed through worship, evangelism, encouragement, and perseverance, and love expressed through belonging, hospitality, service, and spiritual gifts. You'll notice are all practices. These are not just random concepts. These are things that we can actually do. We can pray. We can be discipled. We can be generous. We can worship. We can evangelize. We can encourage. We can persevere. We can Um. We, we can promote belonging, I guess is the way I w- to put it. We can be hospitable, we can serve, and we can use our spiritual gifts in that service. These are all things that we can do, and it's by doing them that our faith in Jesus, our ability to to know him, to grow in him, and to go with him, will be will be increased exponentially, and we'll see... God move in in miraculous ways in our lives. So starting next week and continuing until about Christmas, we're going to start looking at each of these values. We'll we'll look at them. We'll see what scripture has to say about each over a number of weeks each time. And we're going to start uh, having these things at the end of the services called putting your uh, faith in practice challenge we're we're going to be asking each other to actually begin to live out these values in small ways each week. And so here's your first challenge, to put your faith into practice. Commit to doing the challenges. Commit to community. Commit to worshipping together in person or online over the coming year to learning about these values and to take the challenges that are coming at the end of each sermon, at the end of each service over the next couple of months, seriously enough to carve out the time to actually do them. Some of them are going to be very easy, like spending five minutes reading scripture every day. Some of them will be a little bit more difficult, like having conversations with with people about your faith and sharing your faith with others. There's going to be a wide range of things that we're going to build up over the next year to help us begin to live into these values. But we can only do it if we commit to it. I don't want this to be a waste of our time. There's no point in having a a put your faith in practice challenge if we're not willing to put our faith into practice. If we're not willing to look at these values and say, yes, I want to grow in faith, hope, and love I want to grow in my relationship with God and help others do the same. If we're not willing to commit to that, uh, I I really don't know what that means. And so I'm asking you to commit to it. I'm asking you to commit to it. I'm imploring you to. Committing to grow in your trust in Jesus. To commit to growing in your confidence in Jesus. And to align your preferences with Jesus so that you can help others do the same. And I think the best way to do this commitment is to make make a decision, to commit or not, and then tell the Lord in prayer and ask him to help you uh, be accountable, to hold you accountable to the commitment that you're making. And here's the thing, I think God is going to do amazing things in us and is going to move powerfully in us to grow us into maturity over the coming year, but it begins with a commitment. So will you commit? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you invite us into relationship, that you have made a way for that relationship to happen. I thank you that you sent your son that he shows us what it means to be human that he that that you loved us so much and that he loved us so much that you that 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 he sacrificed himself for our sake and i thank you that you resurrected him by the power of your spirit and and now invite us into that same resurrection life I pray, Father, that you would help us to commit to growing in our faith over the next year especially, but even more than that as well. Help us to grow in our knowledge of you. Help us to to just grow in you, to become more like you every single day and help us to have the courage to go with you on mission to make you known in our world. I pray, Father, that you would mark our lives by these values of faith, hope, and love, expressed through uh, through through prayer and discipleship and generosity, expressed through worship and evangelism, encouragement and perseverance, and expressed through belonging, hospitality, service, and our use of spiritual gifts. And today, Father, I pray that you would help us to commit to committing to these values. Galvanize our hearts to want to live more faithfully in our lives and open our hearts up to being challenged to put our faith into practice over the coming months and years. And Father, if we have trepidation about this, I I pray your spirit would give us peace. If we are afraid of some of these values, like evangelism, or, or, or service, or, or even discipleship or prayer. I pray that you would give us peace about them, and I pray that you would be with us as we begin to learn and live these values, these practices, and that you would grow our capacity for faith, hope, and love as we as we as we as we look at them and we live them, and father, as we begin to look at them, I pray that you would help us to see those places where we are doing really well in living them out, and those places that maybe we need some improvement, and then give us the joy for for, for a, a, a joy that comes with wanting to improve wanting to grow and deepen our faith wanting to 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 know you more fully and want and, and want to live more faithfully according to your teachings Jesus be with us now and this week we pray in your son's name amen